For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. The Apostle Peter, who wrote this, knew Jesus personally and was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this instruction that we might follow in his steps. Peter himself became a good example. Paul showed himself courageous and committed in his work preaching the gospel. Timothy is commended. Apollos did good work. Don't leave out the apostle John, but for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. What we must do with this passage is read carefully before and after it to discover all the specific components of following his steps. I've selected four for our consideration this morning. Number one, his example of prayer. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Last Sunday morning, I spoke to us from Matthew 6 about what Jesus said about prayer. That is perfectly suited to our learning and to be incorporated into our praying. But now in this passage, let it be said, he practiced what he preached. In that prayer was a vital part of his life. It has often occurred to me, if Jesus, the sinless Son of God, needed to pray, how much more do I need to pray? In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Now, this wasn't repeating a few memorized words just out of habit and rote. This wasn't just like asking for what you want in the moment. There was intensity and passion and reverence in loud cries and tears that came from the heart of the Son of God. And then it says he was heard because of his reverence. Now, why did the Hebrew writer incorporate this into this epistle? One reason the Hebrew writer stated this to the original readers was they were suffering. They were being tempted. And one discipline to maintain in suffering and temptation is prayer. 
See, you don't wait until suffering begins to learn how to pray. You learn how to pray before the storms come. But throughout the days of his flesh, not just in times of intense suffering, Jesus offered prayers. He cried out to God before his distress. And this prepared him to cry out to God in his distress. And his prayer as he faced death was answered in that God raised him from the dead. Jesus, therefore, teaches us to pray, teaches us how to pray, and shows us his powerful example that we might follow in his steps. Consider his example of submission to God in Luke 22 and verse 42. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not your, not my will, but yours be done. Add to this from Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. One of the first things we can teach our children about Jesus is that he was obedient to the Father. Jesus had free will. He was tempted but did not sin. He was always and consistently obedient to the Father. Human examples and mentors and godly parents and faithful Christians who are obedient to God, we need all those examples. The supreme example of obedience is Jesus Christ, who did the will of his Father, though in earthly circumstances and emotional circumstances of great pressure and suffering, his obedience continued. When spoken against by his severest critics, he told them, I'm obeying the Father. In John chapter 8, verses 26 to 30, we have this. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. That's what Jesus said. Verse 27, they did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man... Then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Later in the same chapter, he said, I know the Father, and I keep his word. John 8.55 Do you know the Father? And is your knowledge of the Father expressed in keeping His Word? Jesus is the model of what our response to God ought to be in prayer, in obedience. As we learn more about Jesus, 
We learn more about what we ought to be doing. We have that word Christ-like. I need to take that challenge with me into every single day. Jesus left us an example that we might follow in his steps. Here's a point I made in the Bible class this past Wednesday night. If every member of the local church really followed the example of Christ consistently, would there be divisions? If both spouses in a marriage followed the example of Christ, would there be a split up? If parents and children followed the example of Christ, would there be unpleasant conflict in the home? Or would there be pleasant and uplifting unity in the family? His example is one of complete submission to God. And we should follow in his steps. His submission to God meant resisting sin. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Do you know that part of obedience is resisting sin? Being ready at every turn in life to say no to sin in whatever shape or form the temptation arrives. The devil came at Jesus with all he had, according to Matthew 4. But Jesus came back at the devil with all that he had. And what he had was total commitment to the Father. And there wasn't anything about sin that Jesus wanted or even found attractive for a second because of his submission to God. All of those things the world wants, all of those things sinners find so attractive, Jesus said, no, not me. I want you to listen to 1 Peter 4. Verses 1 through 5. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery. And they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead." There was no long consideration in the mind of Jesus. There was no attitude of striking some deal with the devil or negotiating into any of these sins. His attitude was, no, not me. And that should be our settled resistance. He left us this example that we 
might follow in his steps. And then his example of attitude. 1 Peter 2, 22 and 23, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued to entrust himself to him who judges justly. Attitude is simply mental content. It's what you think. It's how you feel about something based on your training, your priorities, your commitments. Your thoughts about God, eternity and judgment. Your thoughts about people, love or hate, greed or contentment, patience or impatience, faithfulness or neglect. What's in your head that you carry with you into every relationship and every experience, that's attitude. Jesus had an attitude that was pure and mature and wise, loving, not vengeful, not deceitful. I'm reading from Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look, not, look out not only for his, to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Humility, supremely expressed by Jesus and written here by Paul and designed as an example for us. There is nothing that can take the place of a godly attitude. Intelligence, good memory, eloquence, wealth, popularity, good looks, perfect attendance, able to leap off of buildings in a single bound. Nothing can take the place of a godly attitude. Jesus provides the example that we might follow in his steps. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We've been talking about that this morning. Because one of the greatest tests of discipleship is simple. Am I following Jesus Christ? It's one thing to know all the passages. We may think it is relatively easy to see if others are following Christ, but am I following him? If you recognize that there is a God above, if you realize the Bible is his word, Christ is the son of God, sin is man's problem, but you can be redeemed by the blood, hearing that truth 
Believe in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, confess your faith, and be baptized and follow Jesus Christ. As we stand together to sing.